It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I'm Bill Knight. How are you today, sir? I'm hanging in there. Not a bad Thursday ahead, I think. Uh, they're calling for, like where I live, uh, partly sunny skies. So that's a step in the right direction for us. Well, it's been cloudy. And... Where I'm going to be traveling from, they are calling for sunny days, nice days. But nice. I'm going to leave the nice days to uh-huh. you know, get back to the doom and gloom skies. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, you're going, going the wrong way. A um, lot of stuff to talk about in today's show. I guess one of the big stories is the electric situation. They're still pushing electric cars big time. I mean, uh, the politicians want you to discard your gas guzzler uh, permanently, get yourself a nice electric car for $60,000, and, you know, California is saying they want the whole state converted by 2035. Not uh, going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Tim Ryan, who's running for office again, I think he's going for Senate in Ohio. He uh, is an advocate for the conversion to electric, but he doesn't think it's fast enough. They found some tape on him in 2019. 2019 saying he wanted it done sooner rather than later. Listen. We don't have to wait till 2050. The way things are moving, you know, uh, Senator Sanders and I got into this on the floor or on the debate a little bit. And he was like banning gas cars in 2040. And in my mind, in all honesty, it's like, okay, great, whatever. But like, if we're waiting for 2040 to get rid of gas vehicles, like we're doing something terribly wrong. Uh, he bills himself, by the way, as a Trump Democrat, if there could be such a thing. Uh, no, there's another guy out there that I know that does that too. Listens to the show too. I, mm-hmm. you know, he he found us on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how you're a Trump Democrat, but uh, they're out it's there. It's like an oxymoron. It doesn't seem to make any sense. No, you know? it's it a doesn't. contradiction. I know exactly. Uh, two days ago, the European leader insisted Europe will prevail in their energy war with Putin. Today, the EU leader, I think her name is von der Leyen. Uh, mm-hmm. she's saying that, uh, you have to have reductions, uh, in electricity and you need them like now you have to flatten the curve. Listen, and this is what is expensive because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and, uh, avoid the peak demands. We will propose a mandatory target for reducing electricity use at peak hours. And we will work very closely with the member states to achieve this. Okay, Bill, where have you heard the term flatten the curve before? You know, uh, maybe like during the uh, pandemic when they, yeah, well, yeah, oh, just two weeks to flatten the curve and then uh, we'll be out of the woods and the pandemic will disappear. Never works though. No. It doesn't work. It no. never, never, never works. You know, I mean, and they're talking about the electric grid and, uh, you know, in, in order us to, uh, for us to go forward, we're going to need petroleum. We'll mm-hmm. need what electricity we have and the ways that we get electricity through, you know, dams. We get it through uh, nuclear power plants. We've got to take all the resources combined together and yeah, we can probably get to that point where we want to get to, but it ain't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in two weeks, two years, or 20 years. It's going to be a long haul. And anybody with a brain, and there are people out there saying the same thing that I just said, mm-hmm. it's going to take time. And, you know, the car co- uh, companies, you know, they're talking about it. You know, you see GM, you see Ford, they're touting their electric vehicles. So 
the manufacturing has already switched over to it. They don't care whether you can fuel the vehicle and run. They just want to sell their cars. Do you know what they're saying in uh, California right now? They're saying if you have an electric car, you can't charge it during certain hours already. You, already, mm-hmm. they're telling you, okay, it's great you have an electric car, but we have a power crisis in California, and you've got to uh, you've got to turn everything off between certain hours. You have to turn yeah. your thermostat up between thir- certain hours. Yeah, peak hours are yep. always in the afternoon from 2, 3 o'clock until about 6 or 7. And then it goes down. It, that's when people are home or wanting to do their stuff, like the Internet. There are peak hours. You know, they don't level yep. out. They, they work around people's schedules, and that's just the way it is. I don't know how they can believe that conversion to electric and discarding fossil fuel is a step forward. First of all, they have more controls when they have an all-electric system. They can literally Mm -hmm. turn off your car. They can turn off your house if you're using too much electricity. You will lose some of your personal freedoms by going all-electric, guaranteed. Oh, yeah, and, you know, they got sensors in there, too, these chips that control everything. And if it senses something has dropped one-tenth of a bolt, Mm -hmm. you get a warning light and the engine shuts down up. You know, you got to call a mechanic and get towed to it because that's the way that stuff works. You know, Bill, it's pretty damn sad. I was thinking, let's say hypothetically they got everybody to convert to electric. The entire system was electric. Maybe the the guy who lives out in the country he thinks, well, I got a fireplace. I'll also burn some wood. Are they going to come and uh, fine you or charge you a tax for emitting smoke from your from your fireplace? Sure, they'll, they'll track them on satellites, and if they see a heat signature, yeah, they'll send a drone out. The drone says, yep, you know, uh, Mr. Harrington is at uh, so-and-so, so-and-so street uh, burning uh, some lumber in the backyard. You know, then, yeah. then the no-no police will show up and uh, <laughs> violate you. You know, we, we, we smile at this, but I got to tell you an interesting side story. I was watching The Terminator yesterday. Yeah. It was released in 1984, shot in 1983, and it was prophetic. They talked about, you. first of all, you see in the futuristic, it, it's supposed to be about uh, a robot is sent back to terminate uh, a woman who's going to have the leader of the future resist, right. resistance. Right, yeah. Okay. And when they show the scenes from the future, which is supposed to be between 2021 and 2027, which, well... Where are we now? We're right in the middle of that. You see in the in the film, you see uh, drones very much like the drones we have now. You know, we have all sorts of drones for all sorts of things. And they uh, have big drones to carry big things. We have little drones to spy on people. We have so many different things. They They talked about laser weapons. We have laser weapons now. Oh, yeah. We have all these things that were in that movie. I thought, whoa. But but in that movie, in 2020, whatever it was, there was also a resistance war. There was a war going on. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, are we heading towards that now, too? Well, you know, you could say uh, that we are. I mean, if you can imagine something, it can happen. And so whoever thought of that back then... You know, were they a fortune teller or are they just looking at all the signs and things that are going on around? I mean, robotics, 
uh, were going on well before oh. that. And, you know, some of the, the robotics they got now, you know, they, they've got one that's got the exoskeleton. You put the skin on it, it looks real. It and it talks, thinks. It thinks. It thinks for itself, Bill. Yeah. And I thought, you know, they're going to make, they're already making airplanes that are pilotless, that literally you program the mission into the plane and it goes out and it performs the mission. And if the plane goes down, you don't lose a pilot because there's no pilot in it. Yeah, they already but, have you these. Know, but we're thinking we can ride off the drones. But unfortunately, here's the problem with that. You create an artificial intelligent life. It's intelligent. Yes. And so now you're sitting there going, okay, I'm not going to put my life on the line. I'm putting yours on the line. And these, these artificial intelligence uh, things that we got out there now, uh, they're actually to the point to where I, I don't want to hurt myself. They, they, they actually have a self sense of preservation. Do you remember Stephen Hawkins? Mm -hmm. he, he's passed away. Stephen Hawkins was a physicist, a scientist, a worldwide recognition. Um, he didn't trust AI. He thought that AI was going to come, just like you're saying, was going to come back and bite us in the rear end because it would get to a point where it would start thinking, well, wait a second, why do I need to take orders from this human? I'm smarter than this human. I mm -hmm. can think much faster and beyond this human, why do I have to take orders from that human? So in other words, the creation challenges the creator. Exactly. Gee, right. Is that going on now where we were created? There had to be some master builder out there. Well, instead of saying God, there, there's a master creator. And now we're challenging him. As a matter of fact, uh, you see Schumer and you see, um, uh, Pelosi and AOC, AOC, who, you know, she's highly educated and she knows oh, a of lot of stuff, yeah. yeah. you know, Went to Boston University. did you know that? I mean, uh, you know, I, I missed that in school, but men can get pregnant. And she went to Boston university. She probably learned it right up there in, uh, at yes. BU. Yeah. I mean, really guys, did you know that, you know, that you can get pregnant? No, that I, might... I, I didn't know that, but boy, I would have taken more precautions had I known. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, that explains the, you know, the mood uh, shift. Maybe that's why I have um, such a paunch. <laughs> yeah, that, that's bloating. That's bloating. It's your monthly bloat. Not beer. Uh, bloat. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. Um, yeah, she's she, she's a piece of work. She's on the cover, by the way, of GQ this month. Yeah, I know. You know, and she's been actually she's made more magazine covers than anybody else, you know, and I'm sitting there going, okay, I'm not saying she's ugly, but I'm not saying she's pretty. Mm -hmm. and, I, and anybody can look great with the right, uh, after you, the photographer does it, they touch it up. Uh, Nobody is perfect. Bill, she's the Shirley Temple of the left. She really is. She's uh, their shining light. She is exactly what they want. She, she preaches from the mountaintop, the theology of uh environmentalism she tells everybody that we're going too slow that we got to get rid of cars and she's she's actually one of the people that stimulated the problems we're having right now with the environment as far well, she as she wants men to get uh, more in touch with their feminine side although she says she's not even sure that she's going to be around in september she may be gone i saw that yeah, yeah. Amazing. Jennifer Granholm is the Secretary of Energy, which is uh, depressing. 
And uh, she said this a little while ago. Right now, we are witnessing the beginning of one of the most significant events in human history, the clean energy transition. It is long overdue and it can't progress fast enough. Oh, she wants that change real fast, but she won't tell you that she just invested millions of dollars in uh, uh, a, a, an electric bus company. <laughs> I mean, these people are shameless. They will do things on the side. Pelosi did it. Remember, she she yeah. almost got in trouble when she made a side investment in, in something that she was going to vote on in Congress, and she got caught. So they, they bailed out of that just a day or two before the vote so she wouldn't go to jail, I guess. Uh, oh, she's been caught on a lot of things. Uh, an electric bus company. Yeah. Gee, uh, isn't that a trolley? That used to be a trolley, yes. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> sort of. They'll be able to tap into your car, into your house, and if the right people can tap into your house and your car, can hackers hack into your house and your car? Let's say you, you got a, some wacko in the neighborhood who doesn't like you. Can he tap in and turn your electricity off? And all of a sudden, you got a problem. Mm -hmm. Hey, look, you know, it, it gets down to your health, too. You know, there's an ad now for people with sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. You get the implant, and then you have the little Bluetooth device that you put right here. Oh, that's great. You know, and I'm like going, well, okay, so that uses electronics, over-the-air communication, Bluetooth. Sure. So somebody could sit there, I don't want that bastard around. I'm going to hack him right now. Just stop his heart. Boom, uh, that's a pacemaker, right, for a pacemaker. They can, they yeah, can yeah. shut yeah, off your you pacemaker. Can, there's a lot of things you could some things are good, some things are bad, but when you got evil people out there, nothing that can be manipulated is That's good. right. They can, they can turn you off like a, a light switch. Granholm was the person who said uh, just a couple of days ago this. California is in the lead, can show the rest of the nation how it is done. That's right. California can show the rest of the nation how it's done. In the meantime, Bill, you've heard about the rolling blackouts. They got the rolling blackouts. They got no water. They're having the truck in water. Uh -huh. You want to go to a fancy restaurant and you got to go to the bathroom. You want to go freshen up. Good luck because it's a porta potty out back. Now they, they've shut down their bathrooms. There's no water. Sometimes the water has been shut off. Now you're a native Californian. So <clears throat> I ask you this, have they ever had uh, heat waves in California before? Yeah. And we they had heat waves out there. I mean, I told you the story where we had the temperatures in the 100s, and you know, you'd water the lawn. They did ranch. Yeah, melt your hose. Water it in the morning, and I had to do that before I went to school, and then roll up the hose and put it away. And the one time I forgot because my dad always said, "You leave that hose out there, yeah. son, and it's 105 degrees. We're going to have to get a new hose, and it's coming out of your butt <laughs> because you left the hose out there." So what did I do one day? You left I, it out on, on the lawn. Yeah, because yes. I was running a little late. I had to go to school and left the hose out when I got home. And I'll bet I you going. remembered it when you were in school. Oh, that hose. No, no, I didn't remember it until I, I you know, got home, walked up, you know, because we we're kind of on top of the hill, you know, and the driveway would go up, and then I'm sitting there going, oh, oh, <laughs> damn. It's hard to fake that, too, when the hose melts. You know? yeah, I couldn't just roll it up and go, I don't know, it must have melted in the garage, Dad. No, I didn't. Well, uh, California has had heat waves before, and they've everybody's gotten through it. They've had their air conditioning on. I mean, they may have had some dips and stuff in the electrical grid, but it's because they had all of the systems running. This is a problem 
the problem they're having in California is a political problem. It was created mm. by, dare I say, Democrats. Yeah. Democrats did this. Now, if you like blackouts, if you look to California and say, boy, I wish I had some blackouts in Pennsylvania. Oh, oh, I'd like to have some blackouts in Massachusetts. That'd be great. Well, stick around. Keep voting in those Democrats. Vote for guys who are going to do the exact same thing. And there are guys who will do the exact same thing in Massachusetts. Trust me. Well, everywhere we have a major city at, at some point in time in history, mm-hmm. it was a barren wasteland. And, you know, if you look at where the deserts are today, they used to be, you know, green valleys there. The water went underground. Things shifted. The planet shifted. It's doing it again. You I know, love when they talk about climate change and people say, well, this is something very new. I say, you're an idiot. I mean, know, they, had, they had things called, ever heard of the of glaciers? They moved across New England thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of years ago and changed the makeup and the landscape of New England and the Northeast. They've had climate change, dare I say, for the existence of the planet. It's called weather. Well, you know, gold is not indigenous to the planet. It, it came from meteors that crashed, basically, up north, way up north. And it was the glaciers that brought down those deposits. You know, yeah. Th- yeah, brought down the gold and, you know, the California gold rush. It, those meteors didn't hit there. They hit up north, but it was brought down. So they look at uh, a, a melting uh, glacier in Alaska right now, and they say, oh, we're going through some unique time in, in history. No, no, no. We've had things like this happen before. It'll happen again. They had the Ice Age, the Dark Age, the Ice Age. All these things will happen again. Right now, maybe it's a little warmer. Maybe in 100 years, we, we'll be worried about uh, it being a little colder. When, well, back, you know, they, no, back in the 70s, they, we th- were going for an Ice Age. They were talking about Ice Age, yeah. We're gonna, yeah, and now they're talking about, you know, uh, the seas are going to rise. And, you know, there's that big chunk of ice. I forget what they call it. They came off of Antarctica. They say, well, it's melting faster than we thought. It is bigger than the state of Florida. So? So why don't we put all the Democrats on it and put all the, <laughs> put all the illegal aliens on it because it's gonna, it, it'll outlive their lifetime. So just don't reproduce when you're on the ice. Do you remember in 2000, 2001, early 2000s, environmentalists were saying by 2012, by 2013, the East Coast is going to be underwater. Mm-hmm. They said these things, but you know, when it doesn't happen, nobody reminds them. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is they're talking about the sea level going down the, the, the diminishing water line in California. Mm-hmm. When I grew up out there, it was measurable without melting, uh, glaciers or anything. The water was encroaching because, well, we're, we're on a fault line and we're slipping into the ocean. You could sit there and me- measure between six and 12 inches a year. Uh, down in Long Beach on the shore there, you know, they put the markers out there and, you know, it's on the sand on the, on the edge of the ocean next year and it's, it's a foot out, you know? So it's like, you know, everything is reciprocal. You know, it, it, it goes it, and it cycles. cycles. Exactly. Exactly. And environmentalists don't believe in cycles and the media is a co-conspirator and they do it in subtle ways too. If you watch things like the discovery channel, 
or some of these other, and I like the Discovery Channel. They have, well, it's not just one channel. They have the Travel Channel. They have a, a whole list of different channels that are under their wing. But they'll run a documentary, and the documentary will be about uh, Alaskan bears or something like that, and you're watching, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the documentary, maybe two-thirds of the way through, they'll throw in a paragraph or two about how the bear is being affected by climate change. They make it sound like it's a natural part of of life, climate change. It's real. It's happening. We have to be aware of it. So stick it in the middle of a documentary. It's these subtle things that make it appear to be uh, the truth. And it really, in my opinion, isn't. There's so much that is being forced down our throat by the left. If they were concerned about cars, Bill, they wouldn't be forcing electric cars with dangerous polluting batteries down our throat. Yeah, the, the news is, you know, there's, there's weird things going on in the trend. I had a note here about the trend in the news, you know, with the Russia gate, uh, the declassified gate, the whatever gate that they got going on at the moment, the January 6th gate. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you report a news story, well, and let's say you, you report on Mar-a-Lago, and they, go, they talk about the documents they found at Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago estate there. It is alleged. It mm-hmm. is alleged. But they don't say alleged. They omit that word, so then it becomes, you know. Fact. Fact. And yeah. now you've got to sit there and prove that it is BS. Well, it is hard to prove something BS when the people that are making the false claim are the gatekeepers to the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there you go. So, you know, no matter what, they manipulate the news, they manipulate the stories, and it fits their thing. And to be honest, they want to put this fear in you because when, when you're afraid of something, you know, you're going to listen to the person. You're going to fall in line. You, yeah. Yeah, you're going to fall in line, and that's what this is all about. So, you know, back to, you know, I used to say it, you say it now that Trump's going to be indicted. He is. And it's very possible because of the way they do the news. He could be. If you you had told me a year, uh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago that the media was going to be so corrupt, and they probably were back then, but I just wasn't paying attention like I have been in recent years, uh, I would have found it hard to believe. I, I would have looked at CNN in 2000, 2001 as being an honorable, truthful network. I would have looked at MSNBC as an interesting, honorable, up-and-coming news network. I look at them now and I think they're just mouthpieces for a political party, period. Well, most of the people that sit there and do the news, whether you get a job as a string reporter, you know, you don't sit there and make up the news like they show you on TV. I got a story. I want to follow it up. It might happen on rare occasions, but usually there's an editor that goes, okay, you're going to go to the zoo and uh, do the story on the elephant giving birth. You know, hey, you're going to go to this council meeting right. and you're going to do a story on this mm-hmm. and how that guy is a swine and this guy is a good guy. That's how it works. Then you get the job. Okay, I've got, I've got an anchor position. You don't write the news. You don't do anything. You just sit there and look pretty on the camera and with an all-serious face, You deliver the words that are put in front of you, and that's all you do. There's a lady who does anchoring on CNN called Allison Camerata. Allison Mm -hmm. Camerata 
uh, used to work on Fox. And when she was on Fox, you could have sworn she was a conservative because she was reading a lot. At the time, they were more openly conservative than they are now. I mean, Fox is kind of leaning towards uh, CNN now. You would have thought that, C- And CNN is trying to get away from their liberal stance. They're firing their anchors and stuff like that. But getting back to Allison Camerata, when she got hired to work at Fo- uh, CNN, they were a much more liberal organization. She dropped her conservative stance like it were it was an old coat. She just discarded it like, no big deal. What do you want me to say? You realize how shallow these people are when you see them flip-flop on their their ideology so easily. They just, okay, what do you want me to say? Look into that camera and say the exact opposite of everything I've said over the last five or six years on another network. Completely change my beliefs for a check. You know, they handed well, her. That's what the media is. You yeah. and I did it. We were whores to the paycheck. Fortunately, I was there. a disc jockey. And you know, when you're a disc jockey, I mean, yeah, you maybe they want you to have a certain style on a station. They they look for a certain presentation, but I didn't have to break my personal beliefs by being on the air, you know, and, and performing. No, but you sold your soul a little bit because you know, if you're working for a station A and you're talking about we play the most hit music. We do this, we do that. Well, then all of a sudden, you get more money to go to the competitor. All of a sudden, you know, you know, you're they're that, the ones that you to, know. To me, that's a little different. To me, that it is, is a little different. That is not that is not a, a personal political belief or or a religious belief. I mean, that that is not something that goes to the core of who I am. That is something which is uh, it's it's like. Uh, working for a dealership selling Chevys and then getting a job and working for a dealership that sells Fords, you're still selling cars. You're still doing the same basic thing. You're just trying to point out how your car is better than the next, the car across the street. But the way the news people look at it, they're just selling news. It's uh, your interpretation of the news. Unfortunately, when it gets down to opinion, you know, that's, that's when the problem sets in and news and political opinion has such a big impact. The difference for me is I can look at Allison Camerata now, and even if they were to go mainstream, uh, moderate or conservative on CNN, and, and if she were to alter her, her approach and become more conservative, I won't ever believe that she is totally what she says she is because I've yeah. seen her flip-flop. You know, they have a guy, Don Lemon. Uh, he hasn't been fired yet. He has been a vitriolic... Uh, leftist, uh, an anti-Trumpist, for all the time that President Trump has been in the the uh, public, you know, the public uh, forum, and now they're talking about maybe making him more mainstream. I'll never look at that guy and think that he's anything other than a leftist. No, he's 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 made his bed. He's got to lie in it, and yep. he's got to do it for somebody else. Or create his own platform to do it because that's how he's established himself. I, I, I firmly believe that. Other things that are happening in the uh, news, Dr. Fauci is back mm-hmm. in the news. Uh, he, he's like uh, a bad penny. He, he just keeps rolling back. You, you can throw it away, you'll find it again. He said yesterday that uh, maybe we need to have the vaccine now like annually. It is becoming increasingly clear that looking forward, with the COVID-19 pandemic, in the absence of a dramatically different variant, we likely are moving towards a path with a vaccination cadence similar to that of the annual influenza vaccine, 
with annual updated COVID-19 shots matched to the currently circulating strains for most of the population. This guy is shameless, and he just keeps coming back for more. You can't get rid of him, Dr. Fauci. I mean, he told us the vaccines uh, would be uh, two shots and that's it. He told us that you didn't need a mask. Then he said you need a mask. Then you need two masks. He's oh, do you think the shots are control? And because I say that because uh, there's a study out there now that they they found a way to uh, take on every variant of COVID nineteen and essentially eradicate it from the body. What it is, vaccine boosters may not be necessary. Right. Uh, it says researchers led by. Tel Aviv uh, University's microbiologist Natalia Frond found antibodies that could be utilized to create a very effective antibody infusion, which is already used to treat some coronavirus patients. So they would infuse you with antibodies as opposed to a vaccine, and it would knock out whatever variant of coronavirus you have because it works for every one of the viruses but one. Apparently, there are a lot of different variants. And, and the one that it doesn't work with, they think they figured out a way to alter the, the recipe a bit and mm-hmm. make it work for that one, too. This is out of Tel Aviv. We may not need a vaccine. You know, it's funny how we find these things out after this. We've already spent $2 billion on vaccines. We've already stuck it in the arms of so many different people around the world. It's already been used, and now they've probably running out of this stuff, and now you start to hear about the breakthroughs in other areas. Yeah, the problem is the the vaccine that's out there, it actually changes the way your your, your body immune system works to where it, it, it flips the switch on it to where it's not effective anymore, and you do need that vaccine to, to ward off uh, COVID-19 or anything. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be a vaccine hound. You know, um, uh, Dan Bongino said the biggest mistake he's made in his life right. was getting the vaccine. And if, I kind of agree with him. I, I, I don't know whether he got the boosters and stuff. I didn't go that far, but I got the first two. And I don't know what the heck's in my system right now or what it's going to do to me down the road. Yeah, but the problem is, is that the people that haven't gotten it, and let's say that, see, they got to keep this vaccination thing going. Because if they do that, they can sit there and say, you know, you didn't get a vaccine. You're a threat to mankind. Oh, I know. Well, now on the, I filled out a form the other day and it said, if you've been vaccinated, have you had all your boosters? Now it's not good enough that you got the first two. Have you had the boosters too? And before long, it's going to be, have you had your annual COVID shot? But I got to play this for you, Bill. Dr. Naomi Wolf was on Steve Bannon's show, and she said something mm-hmm. that was very disturbing. They found some very disturbing information about the vaccine. Listen. And Amy Kelly, our project director, posted a, uh, a report which has gone quite viral for us. 78,000 people watched her video about this. It's up on my substack. It's up on her substack. It's up on Daily Clout, which shows that these injections hurt. I mean, I just have to use grown-up language. I'm sorry, everyone. Hurt the testes and hurt the the parts of the testes that develop the masculinity, the secondary sex characteristics of little boys and baby boys and, and teenage boys. Um, so they literally harm the chances of your little boy child to grow up normally as 
a male human adult. Um, so it's not just the suppression of the sperm count and the sperm motility, which you know, Andrology Journal reported, which we knew. It's something even more insidious that the lipid nanoparticles, especially, which pass every membrane in the human body, pass into the testes and inflame the epididymis and uh, affect the, the cells that go to secondary sex characteristics, actual human masculinity. So it's literally an experiment on the gender uh, development of little boys. Um, so this has gone viral and I can't say there's a cause and effect, but that's a pretty tough thing to prove. Uh, and we proved it. Um, and, you know, uh, suddenly Britain's saying, well, maybe we won't inject the little boys. Um, and harm That's scary stuff. You know, when I was a kid, Bill, uh, they had something called thalidomide. Yeah. The pharmaceutical companies were, were pushing this uh, medication, thalidomide, and a lot of moms... A lot of pregnant people took it and would have terribly deformed children. Yeah, it was supposed to make a super baby. Yeah, well, it, it ended up just crippling so many young people, and it was the pharmaceutical companies. And so if you think that they can't create something that's going to have uh, terrible effects on people, I just point to that, thalidomide. What did she say? It, it would alter the... The testes uh, mm -hmm. of, of little boys, of, and, and it would stunt their growth to becoming fully uh, formed males. I mean, it's like, holy smokes, and this is something which they're not talking too much about. Well, and if that happens, then, you know, does it create a path for transgenderism or oh, wow. sex altercation? Wow. Bill? There are so many sinister things that are happening in our world right now, and I don't care whether you call me a conspiracy theorist or not, but there are. Just look around you. They're talking about the environment, how to save the environment, and they're forcing uh, environmentally unsafe cars down our throat. I mean, you say, how can it be unsafe? I mean, we, we talked about this yesterday. They have 2,000-pound lithium batteries in them, and they don't know what to do with them when they are replaced. We'll the cross that bridge when we uh, get to it. Yep. The European Union... They uh, had the CEO of Moderna and um, AstraZeneca at a meeting in Brussels. The Romanian uh, European Union minister, Prime Minister Kristen uh, Terras, uh, grilled them. And, you know, I would play their answers, but they were French and they spoke with a, they spoke in English, but was with a strong French accent. And uh, a lot of people wouldn't have understood what they were saying. But this gentleman is from uh, Romania, and he has an accent too, but you can understand what he's saying. Listen. The first set of questions is for both AstraZeneca and Moderna. So the first question is, I would like to know the date, if it's possible, when you decoded the full DNA sequence of this virus, or you solely relied on the sequence provided to you by the Chinese government. Second question. Have you tested if the vaccines are stopping the spread of the virus or not? Because the data clearly shows that your products are not stopping the spread of this virus. Third question, have you had people who died during human trials? And if so, what were the illnesses that they died from? Now, I have certain questions for uh, Moderna for Mr. Bouncel. You stated here that you relied on the sequence provided to you by the Chinese government when you developed your vaccine. I have here an answer from Emma, which is showing for every vaccine 
the kind of tests that were done. So in the case of in the case of Moderna, for example, you provided data showing that you tested these vaccines since 2017, 2018, 2019. So how were you able to test these vaccines? Back then, when we found out about this virus in December of 2019. Second question, the contracts. You mentioned here that there are some secrets or some confidential information in these contracts that should protect your interests. Now the question that I address to you, what about the interests of us and the interests of the European citizens? Because this is how some of the pages from the contract between Moderna and the European Commission is showing. So I'm asking you, do you think this is fair to all of us? To talk about these vaccines, to talk about boosters, to talk about medical products, when we don't know the clauses of these contracts. So the direct question to you, Mr. Boncelli, is when are you going to fully publish the contracts that you had both with the European Commission and with the member states of the European Union. Another question, the issue of liabilities. You were asked by our colleague here about the liabilities and you avoided to answer this question. So my question to you is, why are you pushing the liabilities on the states and on the people who receive these vaccines and might have, and I say I might have, adverse effects while you get all the profits? Nevertheless, the vibe of the bivalent boosters. This is the last question. Yeah, but you, already you just stated here that these boosters were requested by the US government who also approved the boosters without trials on humans. So I'm asking you, do you think this is fair? Do you think we can go and ask the European citizens to be vaccinated with some medical products that were not properly tested or not at all tested in humans? Thank you. Did you hear what he said? First of all, when he mm -hmm. when he got to the point when he was showing the pages, he was showing right. the pages, and it looked like the document from the Mar-a-Lago raid. It was all yeah. redacted, the entire. So he's going, he's flipping the pages of of the evidence and the information that was provided to him, and it was all redacted. And he was really. That's when he got really hot under the collar. Yeah, it's redacted because they don't want you to know what they're really up to. You know, and that, that goes back to the Mar-a-Lago thing, too. You know, everything that you see, well, it's, it's classified. Yeah, Why? You don't deserve to know. Yeah. Just take our word for it. <laughs> exactly. You lying sack of crap. Yep, and, and I thought it was interesting when he said, you just stated that there were, uh, that these boosters were requested by the U.S. government who also approved the boosters without trials on humans. And then he answered, by the way, the guy who was uh, asked, asked the question, I heard him, the answers. He said, well, we, we had no trials in the U.S., but we had trials in Europe. I couldn't help but think that, yeah, the trials that you had in Europe that you were, were the guinea pigs in the U.S. who hadn't been, who had been given the vaccine without a trial. We were told a lot of information early on about vaccines that were lies. The public. Absolutely. You, you know, I, I got the shot and I thought, well, maybe it's a good thing because everybody says it's the right thing to do. You know, the herd mentality. You just shuffle mm -hmm. along because everybody well, says. Well, they, they got people that you trusted. I, I remember you, you switching and going, well, you know, this is what these people are doing and they know. No, they don't know. They got, they got hoodwinked. Yep. And, um, you know, and you, you got hoodwinked and you kind of, you know, well, we're not going to get into that, but you know. <laughs> all but, I can you know. tell you folks is I'm with Dan Bongino. I think it was a mistake to have gotten it, but 
Yeah, but you didn't go through with the boosters, and I think that's where the real problem was. Another thing that happened last week, and they didn't tell you about it, but I didn't hear it anywhere in the news, is the CDC quietly uh, authorized the use of ivermectin as a therapeutic. Now, that was the horse medication that they talked about. Oh, they're sticking horse medication in, in their arms, you know? Ivermectin has been used for malaria and things like that mm-hmm. since, since the early 20th century. It's been a miracle drug, and it was four cents a, a dose. It was cheap to use, and it was very effective, and it was effective for coronavirus. And they didn't want you to take it because they had this really expensive, not effective vaccine they wanted to shove down your throat or wherever they stuck you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, somebody was making money, and uh, that money filters down to a lot of politicians, too. Well, there's so much going on in this world. It isn't what it appears to be. Dr. Oz. Uh, Fetterman. I, I, well, I, before we get to Fetterman, I wanted to talk about one thing that Dr. Oz uh, was accused of yesterday. And it was in the press, and I thought, ooh, they're trying to turn the Trump-Oz relationship around. Uh, a reporter ambushed him and asked him about, well, would you, if you had been a senator during the verification, you know, of the election back in 2020, would you, if it came to you in Congress, would you have voted to approve the, verif- you know, the, uh, uh, approve the election? And he said, yeah, I would. He said, but that was my job at that point. Meaning if it got to, if it got that far that they were voting in Congress, that certain things had to have been done. I understand why he said it, and it would it kind of made sense. And I understand why he said it. Then they asked him, "Would you have been voted to impeach the president?" And he said, "No." But listen, I'll, I'll play the uh, the response from Doctor Oz. Listen, if you had been in the U.S. Senate on January sixth of twenty twenty one, would you have objected to the certification of the twenty twenty election and Joe Biden's win? I would not have objected to it. By the time the delegates uh, and those reports were sent to the U.S. Senate, our job was to approve it, which is what I would have done. Do you support Pat Toomey, Senator Toomey's vote to convict Donald Trump during the impeachment proceedings following, following January 6th? I, I would not have uh, voted in favor of impeaching President Trump. I think uh, the, the president was already leaving office by then. So he was they trying to pit him against Trump. They're trying to put a wedge of course they are. between the two and, uh, to, and to create an issue that really isn't there. No, but that's what they do. They take things and they malign things, and you got to be careful because this is a wordplay. This is linguistics, and they sit there, and any time you're asked a question, you've got to sit there and think around that question to what is their next question and how can this hurt me? Because if you answer honestly in the one question, the follow-up question is the setup, and I'm sure they have more than one follow-up question mm-hmm. that they go to. If he says this, ask this. If he says that, ask this. You know, that that's how they do that kind of crap. Last night, uh, Tucker Carlson was talking about John Fetterman. He did 17 minutes of it. I really can't play the whole 17 minutes because no. that will finish our show, but I'd like to play, like, the first four and a half minutes of sure. the show because it'll give you an idea of where he was going. Listen. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight there are an awful lot of forgotten little towns in this country and Braddock, Pennsylvania is definitely one of them. It's only 11 miles outside Pittsburgh, but Braddock is basically empty at this point. Only 1,700 people live there. That's down from a population of more than 18,000 during the Second World War. Braddock is now so underpopulated that you can buy a four-bedroom home there with a two-car garage 
right in the middle of town for $3,000. Don't believe it? Check it out yourself on Realtor.com. So you know the story. For decades, the biggest employer in Braddock was manufacturing something called the Edgar Thompson Steelworks. In fact, Andrew Carnegie built it there, along with his first stone public library, which still stands. So for generations, Braddock, Pennsylvania was a real place. And then, inevitably, the steel plant closed. And the usual disasters arrived. Unemployment, hopelessness, drugs. People left by the thousands. But one man saw an opportunity in Braddock, Pennsylvania. Not an opportunity for the town, but an opportunity for himself. That man's name was John Fetterman. Fetterman was 35 years old and had never in his life had a real job. Fetterman was not from Braddock, hardly. He grew up in an affluent neighborhood four hours away. Fetterman had spent his adult life going to school, first to business school, then to Harvard for a so-called Masters of Public Policy, which for the uninitiated is an utterly meaningless document that you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to get in order to tell people that you went to Harvard. But in Fetterman's case, it wasn't expensive at all. It was free. His dad paid for it and paid for everything else. As the Philadelphia Inquirer put it, for a long stretch lasting well into his 40s, deep into middle age, Fetterman's main source of income came from his parents. They gave him and his family $54,000 in 2015 alone. In other words, John Fetterman was a classic trustafarian, a flaky middle-aged man looking for a purpose in life. And in Braddock, Pennsylvania, he found one. In 2005, a year after arriving in Braddock, Fetterman announced he was running for mayor. And amazingly, boldly, given that he was a professional student living off his rich family, John Fetterman decided to run as a blue-collar populist. But the media asked no questions. They loved it. In John Fetterman, the media saw themselves. He was just like them. So Fetterman narrowly won the race, and then the campaign to boost John Fetterman's career began in earnest. The Guardian newspaper described John Fetterman as the coolest mayor in the country. The New York Times told its readers, who didn't know any better, that John Fetterman had, quote, turned the busted town of Braddock, PA, into a national symbol of hope, hard work, and authentic blue jeans. Wow, how inspiring. Fetterman thought it was. He went on a national tour to brag about how he was single-handedly saving this benighted mill town in western Pennsylvania. He gave a TED talk, of course he did, about how he was running Braddock using the lessons that he learned at Harvard. In 2011, he went, of course he did, to the Aspen Ideas Festival to further brag. Here's what he said, quote, we created the first art gallery in the four-town region with artist studios. We did public art installations. And I don't know if you consider it art exactly, but I consider growing organic vegetables in the shadow of a steel mill an art. And that has attracted homesteading. It's so perfect. Homesteading, organic vegetables, art installations. And also, again, inevitably, a heaping dose of climate theology, all imported from Harvard. So Fetterman imposed on a town with no jobs, carbon caps on Braddock, Pennsylvania. And he claimed these carbon caps would somehow, he never explained how, bring more manufacturing jobs back. He called this initiative, carbon caps equals hard hats. So expensive, unreliable energy will mean more manufacturing jobs. And yet somehow no one laughed at him. So John Fetterman kept going. In a 2009 advertisement for himself, he promised that, quote, with a smart, economically viable carbon cap policy in place, communities like Braddock can begin to build its manufacturing and middle class back up. This whole notion that we can continue to operate as we have been and ignore climate change is ludicrous. <laughs> They loved it. 
<laughs> the Aspen Institute. And to be fair, John Fetterman did not ignore climate change. He talked about climate change endlessly. He made climate change the centerpiece of his administration in Braddock, Pennsylvania. As for actually running the town or improving the town of Braddock, he was not interested, not even a little bit interested, and that's provable. As mayor, according to public records obtained by the Washington Free Beacon, Fetterman missed more than a third of the borough's monthly meetings. He was off at the Aspen Institute. In his entire tenure as the mayor of Braddock, John Fetterman cast just a single vote at a city council meeting, and it was a meaningless one. It was a procedural vote for borough president. So what happened next? This is always our favorite part of the story. What were the results? How did Braddock, Pennsylvania fare under the leadership of John Fetterman? That's really the only question that matters. And again, we want to be as fair and objective as we can be. So we're going to tell you that under his tenure as mayor of Braddock, Pennsylvania, the seas did not rise. That is true. Braddock is still on dry land. Of course, it's very far from the ocean, but it's still dry. So his climate policy worked. He can be proud of that. Unfortunately, everything else fell apart in Braddock. People kept fleeing. Braddock's population is currently at its lowest level ever recorded. The median income in Braddock, Pennsylvania is $14,000 a year. More than a third of households in Braddock live below the poverty line. Braddock, by the way, has one of the highest crime rates in the state of Pennsylvania. In 2018, shortly after Fetterman left office, Braddock's per capita murder rate was higher than it is in some of the most dangerous countries in the world. Honduras and Belize are safer than Braddock, Pennsylvania. So that's a failure. And in a functioning system, a record like this would have disqualified John Fetterman from ever running for anything again. He failed demonstrably as a leader. It had a higher murder rate than Honduras and the lowest population ever recorded. Sorry, climate change didn't improve the town. So in a fair system, a system that cared about achievement, a meritocratic system, John Fetterman would be leaving politics on the express train and moving on to something like interpretive dance. Try that. Maybe get his dad to pay for ski lessons and move to Aspen or something. But we don't have a functioning meritocracy. Oh, that was such a well done. Mm. Uh, and, and I could go on and on because he goes on for another 11 minutes talking about uh, the lack of accomplishments this guy has, uh, has done, Fetterman. Yet they, they talk about him like he's, he's the savior of Braddock. I've been to Braddock. I have been to Braddock, mm-hmm. and it's nothing to brag about. Uh, that is, it was a hellhole when he got there, and he became Satan. Right. Because, uh, what was interesting is he, he cast one vote in his entire time in office, yeah. and it was, a not, it was a procedural vote. Yeah. Everything else he avoided. Well, you know, look at this town. It's dying. It's got no money coming in. If you go to downtown Braddock, all the buildings are boarded up. You know, they talk about Tucker's uh, and Oh, you can get a house. You can get actually a big, historic, cool-looking old house. Yeah. It's run down, it, uh, and you're going to have to tear it down. And everything around it. you looks terrible. Yeah. You know, and, Bra- and uh, Fetterman is bragging. You know, I'm a steel guy. I live across the street from a steel mill. Last time I checked, you might live across the street from an empty, abandoned steel mill because mm-hmm. you ain't making steel anymore in uh, Pennsylvania for the most part. Well, you he know. he is a uh, a fraud, and if he had been sincere about what he was going to do in Braddock, he would have spent time getting grants for the city and and doing things that 
really did help bring it back in some in some way. I mean, get rid of the dilapidated homes that are an eyesore and can't be renovated and uh, make the town look nicer and more appealing for people to move into. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. There are grants out there for every year for towns that are run down, they're dead, they're over, they're essentially ghost towns. You go in, put in new sidewalks, you give the town a facelift, you tear down the buildings, the government pays for it. They sit there and go, okay, you guys got $3 million clean that trash up. There might be a lot of vacant fields with grass growing on it, but at least you get the junk out of there and it looks good again. Phil, across the river, they had the same thing, another steel mill. Uh, it was the steel mill where they had had the riots back in the early 90s. Yes, the gates yeah. and everything, and, yes. And they tore that mill down and they renovated the area and they put in shopping centers and made it a, a destination point for a lot of people and it's become renovated. It's making money again. People are going to this area. It was a steel mill. It was a big old steel mill. They they left as a uh, monuments the four mm. four or five stacks from the mill. Stacks, yeah, yeah. yeah. Waterfront is what they call it in Pittsburgh. If you, you want to know what I'm talking about, no, I know exactly where it is. They have a uh, a water amusement park that they did. Yeah, not too far from it. Yeah, yeah. Things like that can be done to bring those areas back, but he didn't do it. Braddock is still uh, a ghost town, and it's still dilapidated. It's still falling apart. And as long as they have guys like John Fetterman running it, it's not going to get out of the hole. You know, maybe that's what they could do to a town like that. Say, hey, it's got a history. Let's clean this town up. Let's put, uh, it's make it the village of Braddock. Put some cool shops in there. Make it neat and make it a tourist attraction. Yeah. You could learn about the past, but there would be some cool stuff there and gives those people... Something to be proud of. Absolutely. And there are government grants you can use, like we said before, to help do things like that. But he didn't go after him. You know, Fetterman was asked by Dr. Oz to debate. And he yeah. kept he kept uh, dismissing it or not answering at all. Well, yesterday, uh, he said, yeah, I'll debate you. I'll debate you uh, towards the end of October. Now, the election is in early November. And people are saying, wait a second, by that time, most of the mail-in ballots will be in. So you're going to debate when all of those things are behind you and it won't affect the mail-in vote. And uh, because the guy's got some major medical problems, you know. But he is playing the card. You know, you're picking on a handicapped person. Oh, give me a freaking break. You know, you can't, you can't have on, on one hand say, no, I'm fine. I can do this. No, I'm handicapped, man. You can't right. pick on me. You know, figure out what flag you're going to fly and fly it. Now he's got a problem. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't trust Democrats because they, they, they're well, the they took dirty jo- tricks. They took Joe Biden, who was, uh, impaired and they made him the president uh, Fetterman. He was at a, uh, a function a couple of days ago and, uh, he was trying to, make a statement and he had terrible problems. I only play this because not because I want to show his infirmity, but it's mm-hmm. important that people know how infirm this guy is. If he wants to be a Senator from the state, this is Fetterman. Please understand the stakes in this race. Send me to Washington DC to send so I can work with Senator Casey and I can champion the union way of life 
in Jersey, in, excuse me, in DC. Thank you, thank you very much, and it's an honor. I live eight minutes away from here, and when I leave tonight, I got three miles away, Dr. Oz in his mansion in New Jersey. You've got a friend and you have an ally. Send me to Washington, D.C. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steelworkers. Now, I just noticed something. Nobody's talked about this, but in the background, while he was trying to talk, you hear a siren in the background. Right. And I believe I read somewhere along this path called life where things like that can disrupt the brain waves of stroke victims. That's you know, a siren, a buzzer, things like that. Siren, red lights, anything like yeah. that. Yeah, and this there and it confuses you. And that's what I think I heard going on in the background. I'm thinking, was that intentional? Did someone hit a siren to to mess him up? Because it sure worked. Well, yeah, I I, I would actually hope somebody didn't do something that way because then that would be called dirty tricks, and yeah. and I don't believe in that. He's got to. He's got to come to grips. And I, I think, you know, as far as voters would go, um, he would be better respected if he were honest. Say, look, folks, I had a stroke. I'm on the mend. I'm going to be okay. You know, but you got to, we got to work through this together. Yep. And here's what I plan to do. Now, you know, then it's up to the people to make the right choice. Right now, I mean, this guy is a loser. He was a loser all his life. And whatever he says he's going to do, he's going to be a loser. Dr. Oz has got a commercial out now on old, it's old news about Fetterman where 10 years ago, he pulled a gun on a, a an unarmed black man that a jogger. was apparently jogging. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're using that and the Democrats going, oh, this is not going to be good because we're going to lose the black vote. Well, I will say this, you know, now Fetterman did admit that he did it. So he said, yeah, right. I did that. Yeah. But as I recall in, in court, uh, an attorney one time, and he was a civil rights attorney, and he did a lot of racial firing uh, uh, lawsuits. Once a racist, always a racist. Once a cheater, always a cheater. So well, if he, he is a Democrat, and oh, uh, they're they're exempt from that. Okay, well, sorry. that's true. That's All right, I, I'm, my mistake, my bad. It's <laughs> only a Republican. He thing, has right? a history of making claims about things that he didn't do. He didn't bring Braddock back. He didn't make it a better place to live, a safer place to live. He said there, Tucker Carlson said, you heard it, there are more murders in Braddock, PA, as of last count, than in the country of Honduras. Well, now, I would say then he's brought the crime rate right up. Because I used to have to go to Braddock to get a public, uh, uh, I'd go to the library because right. that's where for a radio station, it was licensed to Braddock, you yeah. know, but it was a powerful FM station, but that's where it was. The tower was there and everything. And I would have to go monthly and go, you know, update the sure. public inspection file, which was in the library. Probably in that Carnegie library that uh, they were talking yeah, about. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I go to the second floor and there it was. But the point was, I could park the car, leave it unlocked, the windows down. The people were so destitute at that point in time, and that was 95, 1995. And it was, people were, you know, it was just destitute. It was, it looked like bombed out Beirut. Yeah. They didn't have the oomph 
or the fight in them to even, you know, if they wanted to steal what you have, to sit there and go for it. You yeah. know, now he came in, what, 2004, 2005? So I guess he put the oomph back into, hey, let's go and shoot each other up. I still have a stack of stuff that we could have talked about. We're going to have to hold it off for another show because we've done it again, my friend. Another show. 177 shows. This is the 177th show since we started doing these things. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. we've got a lot of shows. You know what? When you see we uh, that we post the link, share the link with your friends. Just copy and paste the link and say, if you like the show, Say, hey, listen to these guys and post it, you know, because you're on platforms that you might talk about or talk about things that we're not on. We don't know everything. And I'll be honest with you, we do this. We have fun doing it, but we're not uh, when it comes to. Um, uh, we haven't know, got the resources of the bigger communications corporations yeah. to promote our business. There are some podcast companies that will spend thousands of dollars to promote a podcast. We haven't got that. We haven't no. got those resources. Bill and I are doing this because we're nice guys. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that, we're that, lonely. That's the whole, it's, yeah, we're, it's, it's, a, it's a sad <laughs> word. But it's a grassroots campaign. Now, we do have a lot of following. We're not, to, we're, we're not taking a dime for it. Not that we wouldn't. We want, we're holding out for 15 cents. But right. The point is, it's grassroots. And so, unless we sit there and, uh, you know, you know, trim the grass, water the grass, and fertilize the grass, and nothing will grow from it. And you know, I often smooth. thought it when I started in broadcasting very, very, a very long time ago. Uh, I worked for nothing basically. I worked for nothing, and oh, I thought, I did and that. I thought, yeah. I went my whole career, and I went way up, and now it's full um, circle. Yeah, full circle. I'm back to working for nothing again. It's amazing, but I well, have you know, fun. You know, the, the one thing I'll put out there, I know there's a, a company out west that says, well, we'd like to pick up the show. Good, pick it up, you know, because we'll work with you. I know That's I true. got a friend that owns a uh, station down south. He goes, are you guys available for, uh, you know, for uh, on the air uh, to uh, be on a radio station? And at that time, I didn't think we were. But at this time, I would say, yeah, we could do that because we would catered the broadcast a little bit. And I'm just throwing it out there because we know that people do listen, just saying. I've had people ask me whether it would be interested in being syndicated. So who knows? You yeah, know? you know what? You float it out there because... But see, maybe they don't know how to contact us. Well, we can take care of that right now. We have a telephone, okay? All you have to do if you're interested in having us uh, do something like that, you can call us at 833-583-6060, 833 833- 583-6060 and and leave a message say hi I'm uh, I'm uh, Ralph Schmortz from uh, uh, Olympic Broadcasting and uh, we want to hire you guys for lots of money all right we'll call you Ralph back. Schmortz old Schmortz yeah, yeah Ralph by Schmortz by the way it's your week to climb the pole to go answer the phone flip on the wire <laughs> oh good good uh mail at it's another day.com mail m a i l at it's another day.com that's right very simple to contact us Easy peasy. I, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. I hope, Bill, you have a safe trip back to your home digs, as they would say. Mm, yes, I got to go and fold my underwear and put them into the uh, the suitcase and uh, fold everything else. I, I will remember to put on some clothes. I hope you do. Uh, yes, it will make, for a, breezy, over, it'll make for a very breezy trip if you don't put any clothes really on. really would, yeah, yeah, and when I stop to get gas. Oh, I get yeah, it'll be, the, it'll be the talk of the whole service area, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd get their minds off the high price of gas. I'm That's sure you problem. will. 
Hey, buddy, have a safe trip. Talk to you tomorrow. Adios.